your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. At 8.18, now you might think that China's censorship of around 700 million internet users under its great firewall might hold back innovation, might damage the tech scene, but it could be the very opposite. Emily Rohala, China correspondent for the Washington Post, joins us on the line. Good morning to you. Good morning. I mean, we have facts like China leading the e-commerce world expected to conduct more online transactions than the rest of us by 2018, according to Morgan Stanley. This doesn't look like a, a country that's been struggling behind that firewall, despite what many of us might, might presume. Can you compare the difference in perception and reality for us first? Sure. Well, I think the biggest thing uh, when I talk to colleagues and friends, especially back in North America, is that they imagine... China's basically offline. They know that there's no Facebook uh, in China, so they think uh, people here don't have online lives. And I think the main point is that although people don't have access to certain things like Facebook, Twitter, and Google, um, the online lives of the average Chinese computer, while heavily restricted, are rich in other ways, um, notably in terms of e-commerce, uh, online payment, and the amount of sort of of their commercial lives that they can live online. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that um, WeChat, for example, and, and Weibo, that that these platforms are even more fundamental to the mechanisms of uh, many Chinese than than Facebook, Twitter, and others for the rest of us. Is I mean, is that true? Yeah, WeChat in particular, which is a Chinese messaging service that's sort of grown from um, a chat service into a social network, an online payment system. It's sort of the main uh, interface for people's online lives. Um, in my experience, um, in the average urban Chinese, especially a young person, is doing much more of, conducting much more of their life online than, say, my friends or family in Canada or the United States. Could we see WeChat, do you think, breaking outside the firewall the other way, uh, even if China continues to keep the likes of Facebook out? Yeah, several Chinese tech companies, including WeChat, have tried to make inroads abroad with um, mixed success. I believe WeChat's popular in some parts of Southeast Asia, and I believe in India as well. Um, but Chinese tech companies do face um, challenges um, operating abroad, uh, including language and uh, security concerns by foreign governments. So I'm not sure that we'll see a major Chinese uh, tech company making getting incredibly popular abroad just yet, but certainly in the future that's a possibility. But is there something about what they're doing in terms of adapting for uh, the, the country's own people that makes this so popular, or, or is it that uh, they have uh, a monopoly and they're able just to enjoy that total lack of competition? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, China's big tech firms um, have benefited from the fact that America's tech giants uh, are blocked in China. There's no question about that. Free from competition from the likes of Facebook, Twitter, and Google, um, Chinese tech firms have had a lot more room to grow. 
but they've also developed great products. And in the case uh, in particular of WeChat, I'd argue, they've developed sort of a category-beating product, a product that is, in my opinion, um, more useful and more relevant to people's daily lives than, say, Facebook. So it, it is because the other ones are being blocked, um, but the reality is um, these products are taking off. Yeah, and interestingly, a sense that I got when I've spoken to people about this is that many of the suspicions that we have in, in countries like South Korea, the United States and elsewhere don't necessarily exist to the same extent in China, or at least there's a certain degree of acceptance of state control and intervention. That means that uh, maybe WeChat can flourish, that people are less worried about having their personal details exposed or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, is that an exaggeration or is it a fair comment? I, I think people don't have an alternative. It's not like if they don't use WeChat, then the government cannot um, surveil them electronically. Um, the state's control of information here is so extreme, and I think it's worth saying problematic and, and a violation, but people have accepted, um, they don't like it, but they, they're, I think, very realistic that whether they're using this product or its competitor, if the state wants to track them down and track what they're saying and doing, whether it's on their landline or their mobile phone or their chat clients, they can do so. And I think people sort of um, censor what they do and say online accordingly. Of course, most of what people do online these days, I, I think, is shopping, talking to friends, making plans. Um, but yes, in terms of political speech, it, it's certainly curtailed online. As far again as uh, WeChat or others are concerned, if you want to introduce any others in this regard, when we look at e-commerce, how much of a boost has that been to the local economy and how much of a boost is it likely to be going forward? Uh, it's been massive here. And I think, again, um, what outsiders don't realize that in some ways China's e-commerce market is, is more sophisticated than it is elsewhere. Um, people here will order something in the morning, online on their phone, have it delivered in the afternoon. Um, of course, this is limited to the big cities, but this is the kind of speed that, because of cost and geography, um, many other countries just don't see. Um, if you want to order a printer, you can log in very quickly on your phone and have it the same afternoon. Um, if you're sitting in Beijing. And that's something that I think people outside of China don't picture. They picture, I think, a more old-fashioned China. Yeah, well, that kind of speed certainly appeals to us in, in South Korea. Um, but Definitely. <laughs> but again, I, you know, I, I just I wonder about the future direction of this, whether it's something that other countries will look at as a, as a model and uh, whether WeChat, for example, will be the one that that can take this elsewhere. There's, there's also a, a trust issue there uh, with some of the other e-commerce sites, Alibaba, for example. I, I, I don't know whether they have the same trust and credibility associated with them um, when, when people are doing international shopping. I mean, this is after all where we're at now, isn't it? People will go to any country in the world in terms of e-commerce and, and look to get the best deal for themselves, but they'll also want to trust the product they're buying without having the ability to see it and touch it with their own hands. Exactly. Alibaba, as you mentioned, which is um, in part of, became famous as an online um, marketplace, both for uh, wholesale and for consumer to uh, consumer products, retail. 
um, is massively popular here, but one of the major problems is regulation. Um, people selling fakes, people selling food that's poisonous, and I'm not sure that consumers outside of China um, are going to be using that marketplace as extensively as people initially thought. Um, I think that the reputation of um, Chinese products still has a long way to go before it's as attractive overseas in terms of e-commerce. Yeah, that, so that's an area that China needs to to get past. Does it need to take actions like knocking down its firewall to build that trust? Uh, or, or do you think those sorts of issues are unrelated? In other words, does this all come as a package? Uh, I, I think they're absolutely related. I, I think it's worth saying, you know, emphatically that the Great Firewall is a huge barrier in China. Um, it's a violation of people's right to free expression. It keeps the internet slow. And in some ways, it hurts business really badly. Um, what I think is interesting is that the internet economy is thriving despite those restrictions. And I think the, the point that I hope people take away from this story is not, oh, the Great Firewall is good, but rather, despite the Great Firewall, China has to find ways to, uh, to innovate. So just imagine what Chinese entrepreneurs and ordinary Chinese people could do in terms of innovation if there was not this massive system of control and censorship in place. Well, you're China correspondent for the Washington Post, and at least you're allowed to speak freely about these issues, I presume. So that's at least something. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Emily Rahala, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. China correspondent there for the Washington Post, as I just said. And if you want to get in touch with us by text, pound a sharp 1013 for 51 per message. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we're also going to be crossing... Uh, to San Francisco for our Daily Voice. Find out what all that's about very shortly. Um, major, quite touching issue, actually, that we'd like to bring to you. Uh, also, our different view coming up in the next half hour, Seoul City News and more. If you want to get in touch with us on any of our subjects, a reminder of our email, efmthismorning at gmail.com.